Thanks, Jenny, for that. Thanks for the reminder on that. Those are always important things that we need to remember. It's easy to get busy in life and forget those moments that we need to reflect upon upon our past and uh, our future as well. So glad that you could join us today, whether in person or online. We're uh, excited about what God is doing in our midst. My name is Pastor Bruce, in case you missed that. And uh, we're just, uh, I'd like to extend a special welcome to you if you're watch, if you're here or as well if you're in person or watching online as well. I know, I want to ask a question, how, how's everybody doing? Like, I mean, last week we've been talking about rest. A few of you said that, that the last couple of messages really resonated deeply with you about finding your rest, about that was something you really needed to, to understand about God's call upon your life. And I mean, it's, it's nice, it's a great message to have and to hear, but it's another thing to actually take it and do something with it. Um, so this last week, my question is, did your life change as a result of what God has been talking to you about rest and Sabbath rest and being restored? Did you make some choices, different choices? Um, because that's important. It's not just enough to know, but it's, it's actually God calls us to do something with what we learn. I um, mean, we, we can accumulate. I've, I, there's so many things I've, diff- I've learned. Um, all the different varieties of ministries I've a part, a part of, the kinds of jobs I've even done in my life outside of being a pastor. Um, I've, I've forgotten so much of that stuff. But it's important that we do not just know and garner more information and, and add it to our, put another book on the shelf and another checklist and going, yep, done, been there, done that. So I encourage you, for your own health and welfare, for your relationship with God, for your relationship with your family and friends, make sure you make rest a part of your, your weekly routine. It was a cold winter evening of, think late fall or 1984, early January, February 1985. I just finished working a 12-hour shift at the, in the finishing barn at Nova Chemicals outside of Red Deer. And I was in a hurry to get to church that night because I was responsible for about a dozen young, dozen young guys, uh, high school-age boys, that I was leading in, in Bible study. We were part of, I was, I was leading them in a small group. And uh, I was running probably a little bit late, um, not a, I can't remember why. I don't know if it was my relief didn't show up or I was moving antioxidants and got, had to finish what I was unloading some barrels or if I had to take some, some test, test samples to the lab. I, I, I don't remember why I was running late, but I was running late that particular evening. And so I was getting off work and going right to the church to lead this study of young guy, with, with these young, young, young men. And so I, w- I, I, I was traveling, going west, coming into Red Deer from the east, and I started thinking, okay, what's the quickest way to, that I can get to the church? And so um, if, if you know where Deer Park Church is at, at that time it was right on the outskirts of the city. It was right on the easternmost portion of their city. The highway I was coming in on was two miles north of the road that the church was on, and so I was thinking if I, if I come and cut across country, I can go faster on a gravel road than I can down you know, I think it's 30th Avenue or whatever it is, and then I'd have to backtrack to the church. So if I cut across and come south, or come, then come west, go south and then come west, it would be a real quick, um, it would be a real quick um, link, a way of getting in. And so I thought, 
This is, again, before GPSs and all those kinds of things. And so I thought, oh, there's a road coming up here. I remember passing it lots of times. And, and it was a good gravel road from what I remembered. And I thought, okay, I'll just turn there and go south on that road two miles and then go west two miles. And so I turned on the gravel road with my Olds Omega with my 350 rocket engine in, Olds rocket engine in it, and started going south on this road. And it was good. It was, it was clear. It had been, you know, the snow had been removed. I could see a farmhouse coming up on the, on the left-hand side, and I thought, this is great. The road looks so good. And I could see kind of that there was a row of trees just kind of dimly lit that went, like, as far as I could see in the dark. And so I thought, okay, this is good. And so I just, I kind of started speeding up and it was, you know, I was the only guy on the road and um, all of a sudden I realized as my headlights caught just past the driveway of where the house was, there was no more, the road hadn't been plowed. And so, um, I don't know how fast I was going, maybe 80k, 80 kilometers, maybe, maybe I was doing 100, I don't know, but I was going along pretty good and so I hit the brakes. Now, remember, gravel roads are actually pretty good because there's lots of traction, but there's gravel, and so you tend to slide a little bit. And so with my all-season tires, I ended up sliding right into this snowdrift. And I was stuck. Really stuck. And uh, my all-season tires would not, in any way, shape, or form, get me out of that mess that I got myself into. So many times in our life, we have plans of what we want to do. We have plans for our future. We know where we want to go. We know, you know, and we know the direction we want to go. And all of a sudden, something changes. Something happens. A detour, or maybe we take a shortcut, or we tr you get sidetracked in some ways, and bang, there we are, stuck in a snowdrift, stuck and wondering, how in the world am I going to get out? Knowing full well that you're late and that you're, you're frustrated and all the reasons why you shouldn't have gone the way you did. Or maybe there's no reason why it shouldn't, that road shouldn't have been plowed and somebody should have gone plowed it all the way through to the other end. But either way, we're stuck. We're stuck where we are. And we're going, oh, God, now what? Now what? Now what? That's the biggest questions that often we, we, folk, we face is that we ask that question, now what? Like when my app closed on me here. Now what? Where do we go? Where do we go? What do we do? Can we move forward? Can we even forward? You know, like, how do we figure that out? The Jewish nation was stuck. They were stuck in 586, stuck in not Judah, Canaan, where they had made their, land, their home for so many centuries, but they got ousted and exiled into Babylon in 586 B.C., the reason they ended up there was because they rebelled against God. Or they, actually, more importantly, they rebelled against Babylon. And they didn't pay their taxes. And so they were attacked, they were conquered, and as is the custom of the Babylonian Empire at that time, they took a majority of the people 
out of the land of Canaan and exiled them, took them into Babylon and resettled them there. And they're going like, what? This, isn't, this wasn't my plan. This wasn't what I had on my agenda. This wasn't what I was expecting to happen. What do you mean I'm doing here in Babylon? I don't want to be here. I want to be back there. I want to have my own house. I don't want to have to learn a new language. I don't want to have to learn a new commerce, a new way of doing things. I don't want to have somebody pointing a spear in my back telling me that what I should, should do and shouldn't do. They wanted to be back home. They didn't want to be where they ended up. And they're asking the question, that very same question, now what? What do we do? Why are we here? And God answers in the, through the, story, the life of Jeremiah in, in talking through Jeremiah to the, people of, uh, to the Jewish people, he tells them. He reminds them of why they're there. And, and we love, the verses, the chapter we're going to look at, or a portion of a chapter, is Jeremiah 29 over the next few weeks. Verses 10 to 14. And, and, God, and, he, and God explains to, through Jeremiah to the Jewish people, he says, I have, there is a future for you. And so let's start up by looking, at, starting in verse 10, and I'd like to read that portion of scripture from Jeremiah chapter 29. We're going to read verses 10 to 14. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. You see, so many people love this verse. They love starting at verse 11. Oh, I know, God, God says, I know the plans I have for you. And we're going, oh yeah, God, lay it on me. Lay it on me. We, I, want, I want to know that too. Show me your plans. But we forget about verse 10. And today, we're going to talk about verse 10. You're going, what? I want verse 11. No, we're going to talk about verse 10 first. Let's look at verse 10 again. What does he say there? This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. The Jewish people were in a place they didn't want. They were stuck in Babylon. Here they were, a thousand kilometers from home. Now what? It all happened so fast. They were there, as I said earlier, because they didn't pay their taxes to the Babylonians. Hezekiah, a previous king, had shown the Babylonians on a, of, of, a, of, a, of a few years earlier than that, had showed them great wealth. It wasn't like Israel, the Jewish people didn't have the money. They had the money. They just didn't want to pay it. And Babylon says, no, you're under our authority, you're under our rule, this is our empire, you need to pay. We are in control. And they're going, no, we don't want to pay. And so they didn't. And so Babylon came, conquered them, moved them to, to Babylon, and that was that. 
But the, the Jews are going, but why, God? We, we don't want to be here. Have you forgotten about us? And as they've done so many times in previous generations, they're going, going God, come on, please show up. You know, meet us, help us, help us, help us. And God says, yeah, I have a plan and I have a future for you. But you need to realize why you are where you are. And it's not just because the Babylonians have conquered you. That's the external circumstances. This is a bigger issue. And try as we might, and try as they did, I'm sure they tried to figure out all kinds of ways that they could sneak back to, to Israel. Back to their dreams, back to the visions, back to the hope that they wished for so much. And yet, where they were, their emotional state was a mess. It was all over the place. The denial, confusion, loss, blame, blame the rulers, blame this person, anxiety, depression, impatience, searching, anger. I mean, they, they were all over the place. And yet God says in the middle, there is a way out. But you have to start where you are. You have to understand why you are where you are. And it's not just because the Babylonians have conquered you. It's more than that. There's a reason why you're stuck in Babylon. As I said, let's look at that verse again. He says, this is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed. 70 years, hmm. Where did we hear that before? Where did that come up? If you jump back a few chapters to chapter 25, in verse 3, God says to, to Jeremiah this way, he says, So Jeremiah the prophet said to the people of, of Judah and to all those living in Jerusalem, well, sorry, that was going back a little, that was verse 2, but verse 3 says, For 23 years from the 13th year of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, until this very day, the word of the Lord has come to you, Come to me, and I have spoken to you again and again, but you have not listened. Then you get down to verse 12 in that chapter, and he talks about the 70 years. God says, okay, fine, you don't listen, I'm going to send you off for 70 years. And so in chapter 29, when he says, you're in Babylon for 70 years, it's going, they're going, oh yeah, forgot. And God says to them, how many times have I told you, yet you ignored, you pretended not to hear? And now they're saying to me, oh, you mean, you mean God, that was, that was you talking to me? You were prompting me? And they're going, oh, yeah, God, I, I, you know, that was your voice? That was your word to me? I, I didn't know. I, I, didn't, I didn't hear it. I, I didn't know that is what you meant. <laughs> or you were really serious about that, God? I, I thought you were just maybe kind of, you know. You've had those conversations. If you've had children, you've had those conversations with your children. If you're kids, you've had those conversations with your parents, have you not? Okay, mom and dad, were you really serious about that? I, I, I thought that was just a metaphor or, you know, that was just something that was going to go happen or, you know. No, that's, that's, that's the reality of it. 
And I don't think Israel, Judish, the Jewish people really knew or believed that when God said, follow me and stick with me, they didn't really believe God. They went, well, yeah, okay, when we feel like it. And which turned out not to be that much. But God was serious. And so, he, so now the 70 years, the fact that they are in Babylon, that God told them they were going to be in Babylon, that God showed them they were already going to be in exile, was a reminder of the fact that they weren't listening. They didn't hear God. They didn't follow him. They were there for a reason. So the question comes down to you, if you are stuck in a situation in your life, do you know why you're stuck in that situation? Here's some questions that might help you kind of flesh this out. And if, and if you want to look at these questions a little bit later, you can look on, if you have the Bible app, you can go into events. And under the events tab on your Bible app, you can search South Edmonton Alliance Church and these questions will be in, in there as well because the passage and the, script, the, the questions will all be there. But you can go ahead and have a look at that. But here's, here's the first question. Are you there because you messed up? That was the issue with Israel. They messed up. They were in Babylon because they messed up. Are you in the situation that you're stuck in because you messed up? You ignored God or his word and his guidance. Are you there because you messed up? There's, another, there's all kinds of other reasons. Oftentimes that's the one most people think. Another reason is, did you believe a lie and was led into sin or believed a lie into believing something was untrue? Did, did somebody, is there some mistaking concept or truth that you're buying into that is not what really what God wants you to believe? Maybe you've been told your whole life that you are a failure or that you're no good or that you can never make it out or that because, because you messed up once, you can never, ever be forgiven again. Is there a lie that you're believing that's, that's causing you to live out a life that God is not really what intended you to be? Here's another question. Maybe it's God wanting to develop character in you. Maybe God wants to test you and, and, or create this, you know, develop and deepen some kind of, of character in your life. Maybe it's a, a, a character trait of faith. Maybe it's a character trait of, of obedience. Maybe it's a character trait of patience or humbleness or humility or something else. Is God asking, is God wanting to develop a character trait? Because, trust me, the only way we can exercise a particular character trait is by having some kind of opposing force against it. You will never grow muscles by sitting on the couch. Well, you'll grow the wrong kind of muscle. But, you know what I mean? Like, you, like you have to be exercising in order to, to build muscle. And the same goes for your character. You will never build any kind of a character trait unless you exercise that character trait and the only way you can exercise this is by coming into opposition with something where that character trait gets challenged is this just a test a test of faith a test of character a test of obedience is God just saying you are good I like what I see in you but I'm testing you to step out and trust me Job Job's character didn't he, his characters were, was perfect. But God was testing him. 
There's all kinds of reasons why God might have, the reasons why we're stuck where we are. And so when we ask the question, now what? All we're looking for is the future rather than where we are and what God wants to do in the current reality of where we find ourselves. Maybe we're there also because someone else messed up. A relationship breakdown. Um job loss due to cutbacks, maybe a biased teacher marked your paper, you know, whatever. Maybe it was an accident, a car accident, or maybe it's a health issue. You're there and there's no seemingly reason why you should be experiencing what you're experiencing. Again, that could be a test, could be a character, character test. It could be, God might be asking you, can you forgive that person? Can you, for, can you, is there bitterness in your life? We'll talk a bit about more of that in a few minutes. Is it just a test of faith? So the question comes in, okay, so we ask those questions about where we are, but the bigger question is, how do we get unstuck? How do we get unstuck? I mean, that was the first question I had when I got myself in that snowdrift. The end of the road, I'm going, oh, now what? This is before cell phones, right? So it wasn't like I could get on and call a tow truck and get me pulled out. Now what? What do we do? Getting unstuck. For the Jewish people, theirs was kind of simple. They had to go, go back and be reminded, and they had to serve a timeout. Their, their timeout had a, had a limit. And, and, and think of it this way. It's almost like God sent them into the corner and said... You didn't follow me. You didn't hear my instructions. Go stick your nose in the counter in the corner. You got a timeout. And so they had a timeout. They had to spend 70 years in a timeout. But they needed to learn some things while they were there. So the important thing is you start if if you don't some of us might already know what our why we're stuck where we are. We going, yeah, I kind of know why where I am where I am. But sometimes we need to ask God to confirm it because sometimes we got it wrong because sometimes the enemy will convince us it's one thing when it's not that and it's something else. And so let me start by this saying this. Ask God to search you. Saying, God, help me. Just teach me. Show me. Reveal to me. Confirm to me. If it's really this, then confirm it. If it's not, then show me what it is so that I can really follow you because, God, I don't want to be stuck here forever. God wants to offer you a hope and a future as we see in verses 11 and following. He wants us to have that hope. He wants us to have that future. But so no matter what the reason, you can always learn something from where you're stuck. And God often wants us to learn something from where we're stuck. So you need to ask Him, God, what do you want me to learn? Search me. Know me. And then, of course, if He shows you that it's your mess then start with confession. Own it. Believe that God forgives and that He is a redeemer. Jenny talked about that in the announcements. That that He's a reconciler. He's the one who restores us back into relationship with Him. He's the one who can make something out of even the worst mess, the worst life. He can restore. That's what God came to do was to restore. And that's what he longs to do in us, is to restore us. 
And so we, but he calls us in that process that we have to admit that we've made the mess and ask for his forgiveness and believe that he will forgive. Even if we've messed up over and over and over and over and over and over again, God can forgive. And today could be that day to start again, saying, God, I give you my life, my mess, my everything. Lead me, forgive me, and help me. Because God, sometimes, you know, if, if you've been a follower for Jesus a long time, you've made that step. But maybe you don't know Jesus, but that's a good place to start, is start right there. God, I give you my life. I need you. I surrender. We sang that, Josh led us in that worship song, I surrender. We need to surrender to him and saying, God, take me. Right here, right now, my life as it is, mess and all. I'm stuck. I'm in Babylon. I'm in the ditch. God, lead me. Forgive me. Forgive me. If it's someone else's fault... You may need to visit the whole and understand that bitterness and forgiveness um, needs to be, unforgiveness needs to be let go of and that you need to surrender that to God. Regardless of whether you deserved it or not, you still need to let them go and invite God into that process. So we talked about, you start with confession. Another thing that you can do is ask Him. You know, if it's a test, ask him how he wants you to respond. God, how do you want me to respond to this? Is it faith building or some character? Ask which one he wants to deepen in you. Ask him. He's not going to be silent. He's not going to say, you pick. He's going to give you direction because he wants to do it in you. Another one is, if it's a lie, ask him what lies you bought into. And where you even heard them. When did you first start to hear them? Because you see, sometimes we, there's a lot of voices that speak into our lives. Sometimes our parents, our family, our friends, kids at school, um, even our, 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 our bosses, then who we work for, our spouses, all speak lies into our lives. And sometimes we need to sort those lies out. We need to come to the reality that we, we have been living our life based on a lie. And we need to understand what that is. And, and so sometimes we need extra help on that. Maybe, you know, friends or pastor, or maybe we even need to see a counselor to help us sort through the lies that create the identity in which we are now live. And we need help on sorting that part out of our life out. So don't be afraid to get help on some of these things. Because the enemy will tell you, no, nah, you can sort it out yourself. No, it's, it's more than that. We need people around us. We were, we were designed to be in relationship. And that's even when we're de dealing with some of these issues. Another question we can say is, what is the truth that's a part of the lie thing? Is, is the flip side is not only what is the lie, but what is the truth that we need to believe and live our, and base our life around? Because it's not just enough to, to, to recognize the lie, but we need to recognize the truth. And understand the truth that God calls us to step into. No matter what circumstances we face, 
no matter how stuck we are in our reality, no matter how much we long for the future, and going, oh God, I want to have a future, I want to have hope, and we seem that God is seemingly silent, God says, I'm there for you. God will never, ever leave you alone. Never, ever leave you to fend for yourself. Even if you've messed up big time, God never says that he's going to leave us hanging. He says, I have a plan for you. That's what he says here. Even though he told them in, in Jeremiah uh, 29, verse 10, he says, you know, you're stuck in Babylon for 70 years, but I will come back and I will take you from there. But it starts where we are. We start, have to start where we are. Our, our happiness, our lostness, our emotional state is not determined by our location, but where God's presence is in our life. That's where we need to begin, is where God makes us, where God lands us, where God places us. Where God, and, and realize that God is there in that middle of that mess, and God will get a way out. I don't remember how I ever got stuck, I, how I ever got out of the snowdrift. But I'm here today. I'm here today. God says that he will never leave us where we are. He always has a future for us, no matter how we've messed up, how many mistakes we've gotten, how crazy our life has been. But God wants us to start where we are. Let's pray. Lord, we've all driven down crazy roads. And the crazy roads of life, God, sometimes we just don't know what to do or how to lead or how to, how to move or how to work or what we should do or what our next step should be. And God, we just, we just hope that somehow we'll, the fog will clear and everything will become clear. And yet, God, you... You see us in the middle of those things, in those valleys, in those dark places, in those places that we're stuck. And you say to us, just look to me, I'll help you. But God, somehow we think that we, we got to find our way out ourselves. Or maybe the way you're, you want to show us isn't necessarily the way you want us or the way we want to go. God, help us to leave that aside and help us to seek you. Help us to start with you. Help us to start where we are in the middle of our stuckness where we ask that question, now what? God, we know that you have an answer. Speak. Your people are listening. If it's our mess, God, help us to own it. If you're testing us, give us perseverance to walk through it. If you're building in us a character trait, God, show us which one so that we can make sure that we make the choice to, to choose the right choice every time rather than just maybe complain and whine and cry about it. Lead us, God. Lead us. And we know you will. That You have never left us nor forsaken us. You're there for us always. 
And so, God, in that we rest. And then we just trust that you will speak and move in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.